God, your word has the power to restore our lives. So open our hearts to the presence of your spirit and the message from your word, for you are mighty to save. Amen. Our scripture reading is the first three verses of the 12th chapter of Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners, so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. O oh Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. On this homecoming Sunday, we give thanks for the folks from the Oakland Presbyterian Church who started a Sunday school at Mr. Billy Flowers Sawmill 98 years ago. And yes, at that time, logs were actually sawn on this patch of land in the country. And my job today is to keep you from sawing logs here again. <laughs> I am told that people like Henry and Robert and Miss Emily would gather on this site on summer, first in the Sunday evenings, to study the Bible. And that little group sat on benches and Mr. Billy Flowers Sawmill that became the Berea Presbyterian Church. Well, we're all thankful for Mr. Flowers' generosity. I, I've heard that at those days, for legal reasons, Presbytery would not accept the land as a gift. So he sold it to them for a dollar. Maybe the best dollar this church has spent. <laughs> well, I tell you this, not to say that every dollar counts, but to say that every faithful person counts. Now, the writer of Hebrews describes the life of faith as a race, a race that calls for persistence, for sticking with it when things get hard, a race that is not a sprint, a quick one, but a marathon. Well, if you just look at me, and for that matter, frankly, if you look at most of us here, you say that. That's no runner. <laughs> but almost every one of us loves a race of one kind or another. We, we like to see who's going to win. We pick a favorite. And even if they can't hear us yelling at that TV screen, we shout encouragement. Well, in the last chapter of Hebrews, the author describes this book, this letter, as a message of encouragement. In a world that's often openly hostile to the church, when Christians literally face death, 
for their faith. Not only in the Middle East, but at church in Charleston or in college in Oregon, in a world hostile to belief and faith, hostile to the good news of the gospel. We need encouragement. The three verses we read from Hebrews 12 remind us that as surely as Christians are called to suffering, just as surely we receive abundant resources that enable us to endure. We're encouraged by the saints who've gone before us. Well, for this church, there are folks like Mr. Flowers and the folks who came to evening Sunday school here, folks like Roscoe Bird and Bruce Faircloth and J.W. Coates and Joyce Bird and Johnny Coates and many, many more whose faith was nurtured here and who gave witness to the faith in their hearts by the way they lived their lives. And also we're encouraged by Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, described here as the author and finisher of our faith. Those three verses we read are, are the conclusion, actually, of a sermon that began back at chapter 11. They started with a definition of faith as the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is not just some verbal assent to orthodox affirmation. It's not static intellectual adherence to creed. It's not, it's not a thing to hold. It's not a thing to have or to own. Faith is dynamic trust, confidence, leaning on God with hope and assurance. Now, the heroes in the faith are named in chapter 11 from Abel, you remember Cain's brother, to Enoch, to Abraham. And you remember Abraham left his homeland and went to a land that he didn't even know, that God said, I will show you. To Isaac, Jacob and Sarah, to Moses, to judges like Gideon and Samuel, to David the shepherd king, and to all those people who Hebrews 11 says were commended for their faith but did not receive what was promised. They and the prophets endured trials patiently, pressing on with confidence, even though they could neither see their final goal nor observe evidence that they were making progress toward that goal. What we read tells us that we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. <coughs> That includes those heroes of the faith cheering us on and to keep going and to not grow weary, to not lose heart, encouraging us to persevere and lay aside anything that hinders or distracts us and to look to Jesus. You see, Jesus is not only the good shepherd, but Jesus is also the trailblazer of the paths of righteousness. Jesus tends us and guides us into right relationships with each other and with God. You remember that in the 23rd Psalm, those paths of righteousness do not, they don't lead directly from green pastures to the house of the Lord. No, those righteous ruts go right through the very darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death. As we will commemorate later when we celebrate communion, 
For Jesus, those paths of righteousness led all the way to the cross. Jesus has shown us that way and calls us to follow him. The good news of the 23rd Psalm is that when we walk those paths, we walk with God. Now the author of Hebrews urges us to run with perseverance, the race set before us. The Greek word that gets translated race there is agon. The modern English word we're familiar with that's based on agon is agony. I have never run a marathon, but the people I know who have tell me that the, that last mile or so of those 26 plus miles is pure agony. Such agony that only persistence, endurance, and gut level determination can overcome. That is the kind of race that Christians are called to run. So what shall we do to run this race that's set before us? Well, the very first chapter of Isaiah tells us that being faithful to God and following the example of Jesus is not some sort of passive process. It calls for action. In Isaiah we read, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your doings from before my eyes, Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. That first set of activities, washing, making clean, removing, learning, all those things call for reformation, changing our ways. And they lead to the second set of activities, seeking justice, rescuing the oppressed, defending the orphan and the widow. That is, reforming society to be just to those who are weak, who are vulnerable, who don't have an advocate. Jesus called them the least of these. Well, doing such things takes faith, and it calls for us to look to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who endured that cross despite its shame. Jesus endured hostility against himself from sinners so that you and I might not grow weary or lose heart. The book of Hebrews was written to encourage Christians and the prophet Isaiah also spoke a word of encouragement to God's people. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So what are you looking at? Are you looking to Jesus, the pioneer, perfecter, the author of our faith? That is the way. Thanks be to God. Now may the God of peace who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, make you complete in everything good. 
so that you may do his will, working among us that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever.